Sometimes you may have figured out we're not home yet. We're only halfway there. Mother's interrupted the course of my journey. What? Yeah. She's programmed to do that should certain conditions arise. They have. Seems she has intercepted the transmission of unknown origin. She got us up to check it out. What kind of a transmission? Acoustical beacon to repeats at intervals of 12 seconds. SOS. Human. Let's do this thingy. Hey, listeners. Welcome to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We're a podcast that talks about horror movies, and we will spoil the main feature. So you've been warned. Um, We're not professional critics. I'm not sure we're professional anything, because we're not getting getting paid for this on any level. Nope. All right. Thank you to the Moonrays for giving us intro creature features at the top of the show. You can find their music on Amazon. Or on iTunes, and you could buy it digitally or find an old-timey CD. Um, this is episode 70, and we are we're into Women in Horror Month, February, all month long. And we're going to be talking about Alien, the 1979 Ridley Scott-directed... Uh, not a woman. <laughs> he is, to the best of my knowledge, not a woman. <laughs> Uh, however, he did have one play the lead, and a great supporting actress was also a woman, so there's that. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, this is Women in Horror Month, and let me um, take something directly from their website. If you didn't listen to the special announcement saying, hey, this episode's going to drop on Friday. Uh, like this special announcement makes me think of an emergency broadcast. Kind of special announcement. <laughs> yes, stop, drop, and roll, or duck yeah. and cover. Uh, from the website, Women in Horror Month, uh, the question is asked and answered, how do I describe Women in Horror Month? Women in Horror Month is an international grassroots initiative which encourages supporters to learn about and showcase the underrepresented work of women in the horror industries, whether they're on screen, behind the scenes, or contributing in their other various artistic ways, it is clear that women love, appreciate, and contribute to the horror genre. And you can find them on every major social media, Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Pinterest, Tumblr. And uh, check out what Women in Horror Month, I believe it's the 8th annual now, Women in Horror Month. So, yeah, There's like uh, those sites that give a rundown. Seven of those of, uh, consecutive. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jolene. There's those sites that give a rundown of uh, horror movies you must see directed by women. 
and they're really stretching. It's like uh, some of them are like, oh, Ida Lupino did the Hitchhiker, and it's not horror, but it's really good. <laughs> yeah, that's not horror. It is really good. Yeah, though. she is really good, and and she did the, some of the best episodes of uh, Thriller as well. Okay. But yeah, as far as directors go, they're pretty few and far between. But yeah, in terms of like leading players there's a lot of actors them. yeah and and especially authors i mean yes a lot i of think authors. mary shelley i mean very important birth of horror itself and how about artists uh what's the name of the woman who actually sculpted the creature from the black lagoon uh melissa patrick did the head yes and it's the best part of the creature jack evans did the body sculpt who did the hands <laughs> I don't know. There's quite a team on that, and the uh, credit was taken by the head of the department. But uh, of course, yeah. So it was basically Melissa and Patrick, right? Did the the wonderful head. Yes, and um, the hands were a distant <clears throat> second. The head was the most important part of the creature. Yeah, torso was all right, I guess. I can't remember who did the hands, <laughs> but they're cool. Yeah. Well, you can get these really cool. You know how uh, they have. You know, they've had swim fins forever. I don't know why no one ever thought of webbed gloves until recent years. But you can get webbed oh, gloves. they've had those for a long time. Well, yeah, like 15, 20 years, right? Yeah, they've had them longer than that, I'm sure. I would think they would have had them since, like, the beginning of, you know, rubbery stuff technology. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be one of I'm the first sure things that... you'd think of. I'm sure <laughs> it was. Devil horns followed by swim hands. <laughs> Devil horns and swim hands. Well, yeah. I, was, I was looking at some of those lists. I think it was the Criterion one. And one of the films they mentioned was uh, Three Cases of Murder, hmm. uh, which is like a, one of those portmanteau movies. And the first story is directed by Wendy Toy. Oh. And uh, it's it's one about these people live in a painting and they emerge from the painting and pull people into it. Oh, that old story. And it's uh, It gets very freaky. There are scary, weird family that lives in this painting and it's an excellent painting too oh good oh, all right uh yeah i, I really recommend that one <clears throat> if any of you want to see well, it. let's see this thing oh that looks really cool yeah it's a bridge i was gonna one. say is that orson welles with a mustache it yes is. it is <laughs> oh yeah i would i would watch the hell out of that yeah he's not in that particular story but oh. he's not actually in any of those stories they just <laughs> had a picture with him in it so, um, lest I forget to ask, what have you watched since last time, Will? I know it's been a while Ooh, since we recorded. Yeah. We I'm, delayed this recording to make sure we're all well and all I got sick. Present. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> I recommend it to everybody. Mm. Did you, uh, in your downtime, get to watch anything cool? Yeah, I watched quite a few things. Did you finish the... Um, Turkish. The Turkish. <laughs> no, that's still going on. <laughs> um, we're still in season one. In episode seventy something, um, wow! This is episode seventy each, of our podcast. It each took us over episode a is is two hours long, <laughs> and I think they don't sleep. They just work around clock producing episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds like it. Um, no, I watched a Netflix series called The Santa Clarita Diet. Just started it. It's pretty good. It could go off the... Uh, we watched it all in one day. Did, did you guess the tone was going to be as weird as it was before you started watching? Uh, no, I didn't know quite what the tone was. All right. I was hoping it was going to be cannibals, not mombies, but... Yeah. Uh, 
the tone is weird enough that that's the only thing that makes it work. Right. Because it skates the line. It could easily go overboard yeah. and not work. Right now, something about it works. And Timothy Oliphant has this great comedic timing. I think he's the glue holding the it, whole thing together. He's what makes it work, for sure. He's got so, something about him. There's a charisma and a delivery that he's got going on that just makes everything he does work. Mm. Are you familiar with this? I've not seen it, no. Is it HBO or something? No, it's Netflix. It's oh, okay. uh, it's where they Drew put all Barrymore <laughs> and Timmy, Timothy... Oliphant. Oliphant is... Uh, there are a couple of realtors in Santa Clarita, California, and she becomes a zombie. But she's a mom. But she's a mom, and it's <laughs> so a it's a, a weak high high concept kind of sitcom. They make it work, hmm. um, but like I say, it it's it's on a fine line. And I could see, I could totally see people hating this. Oh yeah. Now this 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 um, Netflix original <clears throat> stuff that they're doing is the very reason that you'll never see something like Candyman on Netflix. You'll see Candyman Two: Farewell to the Flesh. They won't pay for the licensing uh, for some of the stuff that's. It's not even like this A-list top shelf stuff, but it costs more. They're putting all that money into their original content. Which is fine because some of their original content's really good. Hey, more power to them. Right. Yeah. Because this know, is the new model of how it's being done. They need to do, I think most series should do 10 episodes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Per season. It's just about right. Um, I also watched a good chunk of Luke Cage. Yeah, that one's fun, isn't it? Yeah, I enjoyed that a lot uh, yeah. so far. Uh, Movie wise, what did we watch? I didn't watch a whole lot of movies, I don't believe. I can't think of any of them right now. Ah. Well, on Netflix, did you happen to see He Never Died? That's the one with Henry Rollins in it? No. I watched it. It was all right. I'd probably skip anything Henry Rollins. (laughs) He's never really impressed me, other than the story that he used to ride around in the equipment U-Haul in the pitch black, drinking pot after pot of coffee. (laughs) That sounds about right. So, uh... (laughs) Other than that, I don't know. Well, it was all right. I mean, I, I, I didn't know what to expect. I watched it, and the, the tone was a little weird, and uh, I wasn't sure what they were trying to accomplish with it. But uh, it was watchable, but it wasn't my favorite. Um, how about Drunk, Stoned, Brilliant, Dead? That's the one about National Lampoon magazine. I didn't see that movie. I read the book. Oh, yeah, it's good. Um, it's a documentary about... Uh, the people who created National Lampoon magazine, and hence some of the movies, and uh, really interesting, pretty funny, how they all kind of got together and how they did what they did. Yeah, but, all uh, those magazines are public domain; they're on the Internet Archive. Oh, are they? Yep. Oh, that's cool. every issue, totally unfunny now, because mm. it's all so topical. Yeah. You remember it? You're like, I totally understand all these jokes. But not one of them is humorous anymore because they're 40 years late. Yep. It's coming and it's coming gone. It's like, wow, that's a long wait for the punchline there. Yeah, except for maybe the Watergate stuff will start to be really funny again soon. <laughs> I'm hoping. I'm yeah. so hoping. Man. Yeah, let's find out. I don't out. know how much I'd love that. Yeah. 
That would be I great. missed Watergate. <laughs> right. I got a ran contra and that just pissed me off. Even though I was a kid. And... <laughs> yeah. Jolene, how about you? What did you watch since last time? Uh, <clears throat> I saw a Gene Kelly musical called It's Always Fair Weather, uh, which isn't a great musical. It's got some really uh, amazing dance numbers in it. But yeah. I can't remember any of the songs. But it's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. It's kind of like uh, them dealing with being uh, veterans that nobody wants to hear from anymore and, and television's coming in and stuff like that. But it, like some of the famous stuff in it is like uh, when they when they like just stick dustbin lids on their feet and start dancing around the street in <laughs> <Right>. New York <laughs> and stuff like that. It's also got Frank Nelson in it, who's in a bunch of movies. And you'll recognize his voice straight off. It's so distinctive. He's he's on The Simpsons. There's that guy with the little mustache who turns up. And oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's based on fragments. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Alien inspired me to watch some 50s science fiction horror movies. So I watched um, Space Master X7. What's that? Uh, this stuff called Blood Rust comes to Earth off the back of a space project. And it's. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. It's this blobby, stringy stuff that absorbs people. and yeah, Like the blob. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, was it before or after the blob? Been at the same time. Mm. When was the blob? 58? I think it was. Yeah, it'd yeah. be around that time. Uh, Terror from the Year 5000. Oh, yeah, I've seen that one. Where they just uh, <laughs> die out in the swamps. Yeah, he has a machine that <laughs> right. brings things from the future. Yeah, so he, he like swaps things. Uh-huh. He like, sends them junk from... From now. The present, and then he gets back stuff. <laughs> it's like, what, what could go wrong? Yeah, nothing, <laughs> nothing could possibly go wrong in that scenario. Um, well, uh, I kind of enjoyed that one. It was yeah, terrible, yeah. but... Yeah, you get a spangly cat suit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that monster left something to be desired. <laughs> uh, Cape Canaveral Monsters. Uh, well, there's this, that. like... Uh, <laughs> Uh, aliens want to interfere with the uh, the Cape Canaveral space program, and and uh, this, so there's Obviously. this couple that they have a car crash, and then they they get brought back as, as these zombies who are like a kind of they're they're not really well held together, <laughs> so they like lose an arm or something. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, uh, <laughs> I, I I I can't really thoroughly recommend it. Cape Canaveral. Monsters. Monsters. Yeah. It's probably the best band name that's just sitting <laughs> yeah, yeah. there right for the taking. Uh, let's see. Um, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children from mm. last year. Tim Burton film based oh. on the... The novel. The novel. Not read the novel. I've not seen the film. Okay. How is it? Well, it's a good-looking movie. Um, How's Helena Bonham Carter and Johnny Depp in it? Well, he swapped her out for Eva Green in this one. Oh. But she's basically doing the eccentric yeah. Mary Poppins kind yeah. of uh, character. Uh, and it's got a lot of, it's kind of like Tim Burton's X-Men, but um, it's got some really amazing images in it. Yeah. Uh, Tim Burton's X-Men would have been awesome 25 <laughs> years ago. Yeah. Uh, see, uh, late... now I just roll my eyes. <laughs> <Stay> <laughs> yeah. next. Okay, twisty trees, white sure, faces. Sure, well, yeah, whatever. Um, Lady in Cement from '68. Frank Sinatra, Raquel Welch. 
Richard Conti. Mm, it's the second one, one of the uh, Tony Rome films. Oh, he's, oh, okay. he's a detective who hangs out on his little boat in Miami and wow, kind of solves these kind of gumshoe crimes. And there's, yeah. That's uh, Sinatra basically saying, oh, I get to do what I want. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the first one, um, Tony Rome, but uh, this one is just so... I don't know, it didn't seem to care. Like, uh, you know, there's his bodies turn up all over the place. No one really cares. <laughs> They're just like <laughs> throwing quips at each other. And uh, uh, I mean, you got Rakow Welsh in it, so it's always worth watching. And um, uh, you know, when when you get when a woman bends over, like the camera will just zoom in on her behind, and there's this like boing on the soundtrack. <laughs> really? So it's not. It's, it's not, not taking a subtle it. film. No. <laughs> um, Let's see, and then the uh, the other one I saw was the Lost Continent. Yeah, the... from '68. Have you seen that one? It's like one of the quirky Hammer movies when they were like trying out different things. So it's oh, like them no. trying to do this fantasy adventure story. Something that it, doesn't involve frilly it's shirts. It's like their one uh, Dennis Wheatley movie, which wasn't about devil worship. It's it's about this like a uh, a bunch of people who are desperate to get away, and they they all book passage on this like rusty old tramp steamer and and uh, i guess you know it gets lost in in the sargasso sea mm. where uh where ships have over time have have turned up so there's this kind of ecosystem of different periods of different you know crews mm. exploring okay. each other oh. but you don't actually get to that part until we're like two-thirds of the way into the movie well no of course <laughs> not uh yeah a bunch of sweaty Brits like arguing with each other and getting each other killed off, and then they finally get stuck in this place, and then you get monsters and various. Yeah, all the good bits. Yeah, like they should have cut out the first. (laughs) That's a good thing about DVDs; you could just skip to the later chapters. Mm -hmm. I'm just about at that point. Just (laughs) jump right in. Yeah, books. I don't. I just turn to page twenty-five start yeah <laughs> skip the intro 50 how i don't care yeah was that your list mm-hmm. oh <clears throat> well me i got to watch assault on precinct 13 mm. which i am now sure i had not seen oh and i enjoyed it yeah it's it's that whole that whole vibe of the 70s you know i, or, I think it was late 70s still uh-huh. Like 78, 79, somewhere in there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was a good one. I enjoyed it. Um, John Dies at the End. I think I tried to start that one before and had trouble getting started on it. And this, I just watched it all the way mm-hmm. through. And uh, Don Coscarelli, you know, he's yeah. going to... Here's the thing. I figured it out. <laughs> uh, the deal with him is he likes nonsense. Mm-hmm. And he likes just continually bringing the nonsense. <laughs> and it's kind of nonstop through this whole movie so this is what he does i'm i'm just going to accept that about him uh strangely though um baba hotep he doesn't do so much nonsense it's Mm. the movie uh, i mean the story actually progresses and it goes somewhere and it does something and a lot of his other stuff is just like he just keeps parading out more nonsense and more weirdness and (laughs) i don't know what he's trying to do it's fun to watch but I'm not sure where it's going. Um, there's a documentary about Anonymous, the 
hacktivist group called We Are Legion. I watched that one. It was interesting to see that some of them um, got themselves into some trouble and actually got found out. So I guess they weren't very anonymous after all. Um, Sinister, I knew I had not watched that and finally did. I enjoyed it. Um, a car that kind of catches fire, sort of blows up, is a 64 Valiant, which I used to own one of. And uh, it's also American Mary's car in the Soska, Soska Sisters uh, movie that they co-directed. I think co-wrote and co-directed. Who? Who? What? It's called American Mary. I don't uh, know that series. It's a woman who's in medical school, and she ends up having to do various things to get by. And okay. uh, she drives a 64 Plymouth Valiant. So it's kind of funny this car has turned up in two recent horror movies. I always notice them because... You had one. I had one, and there's a very distinct look to the grill. Yeah. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. That guy cannot say phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> he says, like, phenomenon, phenomenon. <laughs> he can't say it at all. <laughs> but I did watch the, the American Raymond Burr edit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It was really cool. Everything was just so huge. How about that courtroom scene at the end? Oh. When he tricks Godzilla into admitting <laughs> his guilt yeah. right there. Yep. In front of the jury and judge and everybody. <laughs> Godzilla just... Just has that slip up there. Oh, his pride got in his way. Yep. Yeah, he just knows Hamilton how Burger was bested again. Yeah. And then Black Scorpion from 1957. Mm-hmm. Ray Harryhausen stop motion. No, Russell Bryan. Russell Bryan, sorry. Um, Does good kicking, screaming little people, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we actually, you loaned that to me because we were talking about Harryhausen and and who who else does great stuff like that. So, yeah. And I watched that, what, about a week or two ago. Um, But I enjoy the little kicking, screaming people. Mm -hmm. There's a nice bit of uh, stop motion in uh, Miss Peregrine's home. Oh, really? Oh, they have a stop motion scene. They I remember do that? the movie I watched was Hodorowski's Dune. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, the making of yeah, yeah. Hodorowski's That's Dune. Good. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um, he's quite fun. <laughs> he gets kind of tiresome after a while, doesn't he? He's like, I wouldn't like to be trapped in a room oh, with this guy. Oh, God, no. But for an hour and a half, that was oh, fine. Yeah, yeah. He was colorful, but... Yeah, I don't think you'd want to be trapped on a plane with him for <laughs> for too long. Yeah. So, Alien. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Spe- talking of uh, Dune. Dune. Yeah. Now, before we start to talk about Alien, I want to shout out to uh, an Instagram follower who we also follow, uh, Green Irene. And uh, she messaged us, well, commented on one of our... Um, on one of our postings on the Chewing the Scenery Instagram, uh, saying to that she... stop? Was she the one that was telling us to stop? <laughs> no, she was the one who said to keep going. Uh, she was Please really... fucking stop. <laughs> who was that one? <laughs> oh, that, that was everybody else. Uh, but Irene said uh, she didn't know that uh, Women in Horror Month was a thing, and she felt uh, really happy Slighted about that. <laughs> that they hadn't contacted her. She said, where's <laughs> Men in Horror Month, huh? <laughs> No, but she's uh, she was very happy to hear about that, and uh, and I should mention that uh, it's 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 important to recognize what women contribute because it's been such a boys' club in Hollywood for so many decades that uh, women get overlooked all the time. And uh, it, I don't know what you're talking about. They're victims in every movie. <laughs> 
That's Will, everybody. What more do they want? <laughs> Heavy <So>. sarcasm. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm glad that, um, that we, we've pointed this really cool thing out to some people, and um, I hope you enjoy more of these things. We had woman on the show once, didn't we? Yeah, a couple. Yeah, a couple. Do you remember her name? Uh, she was a voodoo priestess. Yeah, something. <laughs> Yeah, we should have more women on the show. We should. Yeah, we should talk about Hellraiser, and I I know a dominatrix we can invite. That would be great. Okay. Talk about, like, what is this really, you know, trying to say with these leathery outfits and all these spikes going through people? Um, okay, so so thank you, Green Irene, for listening to us uh, and enjoy this discussion about Alien, the 1979 British-American collaboration um, it's mostly British, isn't it, really, Jolene? British-American. It's not a thing now. Well, Jolien used to be British. Now he's American. So tell us. But if he had a kid, would he be able to describe himself as British-American? I'm a British-American. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so it was directed by Ridley Scott. Mm-hmm. But it would not be what it is without Sigourney Weaver as the lead. Yeah. and Ellen Dan- Ripley. Dan O'Bannon. Writing it. Right. Yeah. Very important, Dan O'Bannon. Um, and the monster. Well, the monster, needless to say. Um, is Nigerian. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's true. Swiss Nigerian. Swiss Nigerian. <laughs> I'm Swiss Nigerian. Well, you look like it now that you say that. <laughs> you know, yeah. around the eyes, sort yeah. of. Um, yeah. Uh, how do you say that guy's name? Bolaji Badejo? Something like that. I don't know if that's pronounced as an H. Olaji Bedejo? I, I'm butchering that. All right. Just barely. So when's the first time you saw this, Will? Do you remember it all? Yes. Uh, I think I was about third grade. We turned on the TV shortly before John Hurt loses his life. <laughs> <laughs> delivering a baby at dinner. <laughs> right. And we, my dad and I were just immediately hooked. We didn't know what this movie was, but... But you knew you wanted to see it from the beginning. Yeah, we were like, oh my God, what is this movie? (laughs) I actually, I think that's probably my favorite part of the movie, though, is the beginning before John Hurt, the chestburster scene happens. Yeah. Uh, I really love the uh, mysterious ship they go to, Mm. yet I've not seen Prometheus. Nor do I really want to. I've heard no good things. I haven't seen it either for the same reason. Um, there's something cool that I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to really figure out what the example of the first instance of this was, but the the idea of a used future, and I know they did it in Star Wars, and I know they did it in Alien. I'm trying to think if there's any earlier movies oh, yeah. where it really just showed the, a beat-up. pioneers of dirtying up your spaceships and things yeah there was Derek Meddings and his team okay on the like Thunderbirds series um so what what would that date back to that'd be mid 60s so oh six, cool 65 66 and then the, a lot of those guys who were building those miniatures went on to work on the science fiction blockbusters that were being filmed in Britain so oh okay Alien and Star Wars so they had all this experience of building models for well over a decade. Mm, yeah. Oh, 
All right. So yeah, dirtied up and used future. Yeah. I think it's the first one where where you know Dan O'Bannon had done Dark Star, where there were a bunch of like kind of hippies who are just bored to tears of their space mission. Mm-hmm. You've, you've seen that one, right? Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, so Dark Star is like John, John Carpenter and Dan O'Bannon. It's basically a student movie that became a feature film. Yeah. And it's really good. Yeah. But they're, they're going around in the, the way out way out in space, and their mission is to blow up planets that are, you know, drifting into the way of, you know, progress or whatever. Yeah. There's no real... <laughs> proper reason for it but they pick up an alien that gets out of control in the spacecraft yes yes there's all sorts of things happen you know it's it's a pretty funny film yeah so do you remember your first uh, time that you caught alien I can remember the trailers yeah I I saw the trailers way before I saw it I think in space no one can hear you scream yeah I wasn't old enough (laughs) to see it yeah it's pretty scary trailers they had that like kind of rising pitch note uh-huh. going off and people running around through strobe lights and dark yeah, corridors. Yeah, I remember seeing... Oh, man. And then and then I think I read the Alan Dean Foster novelization... I did, too. Like ...years before. Uh-huh. Well... And I, then, I, then I got the photo novel that... Oh, I never got to see that, the photo novel. That's really nice. I know my uh, fourth or fifth grade teacher pulled me aside and asked me, questioned my taste in reading... <laughs> Alan D. Foster's treatment of Alien. What? Yeah. It was an R-rated movie. I don't know. Yeah, he, okay. But he didn't end up caring. Nothing came of it. I was a huge Alien fan, though, for a long time. Mm. This movie and the sequel. Yeah. I, I remember, like, fifth or sixth grade, I had a classmate who had his Barbarella issue of Starlog confiscated by a teacher because it was way too revealing the costumes. <laughs> um, it was deemed inappropriate and taken away. Uh, I think it was like a special, like all Barbarella edition of Starlog. Oh, wow. <clears throat> yeah. The good old days. Good stuff. Yeah. So, um, so Will, you were, so you were able to finally catch this from the beginning or was it, yeah, on, yeah, it wasn't on network. Point. It was on cable or what? Um, Did you have cable at the time? It must have been cable. It may have been network. It's been so, so long ago. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, this would have probably been, yeah, probably 84, 85. Yeah, this is when the, this is the point in the movie where it starts to really get crazy anyway. So you mm-hmm. you just missed all the, uh, the mood setting. <laughs> yeah. And I know my dad, I keep, rem- I always remember my dad saying, uh, it's in the cat. Don't bring the cat right. with you. It's in the cat. Yeah. Now, if this were the thing, he'd yeah. probably be right. Yeah. Uh, you know, my, my mother-in-law was taken to see it by a brother. He said, oh, it's a space movie. Yeah. She had no idea. Oh, man. See, and that's kind of what we did. never seen a horror movie ever since. Oh, man. She refuses to watch them. It's too yeah. traumatic. This thing gave me nightmares at the time, but it was fantastic. And I had to watch it again. I, well, I saw it like, <clears> for this, and I saw it on Blu-ray for the first time. And it, it was... I really enjoyed it, and it's like previously I've really liked the look of it, mm-hmm. and not really appreciated anything else. Oh, uh, you know I like the cast, but yeah. it didn't affect me as a horror movie. Oh, I've uh, always I've, loved. I this liked as it a much better movie. seeing it this time around. Yeah, maybe seeing it after so such a long time, you know, it, it seemed fresher, and uh, <clears throat> I, I, yeah. I really appreciated it more. 
Yeah, yeah. It, it defies the era it was made in. Um, there were a lot of bad movies made around the same time, and uh, they rose above that. Yeah, this one still was terrible. I'd up. say this is probably my favorite horror movie for a long, long time. Yeah, and like I said in our special announcement, it's like a haunted house in space. That's exactly well, yeah. what it is. I think it's just a haunted house in space. Yeah, yeah. it's a B-movie science fiction plot yeah. you may have been you the know. one that said that that may be where yeah. i derived that from but when they were when they were making it like no one was expecting it to be special like, right like cast and so on they thought, oh this is going to be a cheap in fact they tried to market toys to kids <laughs> yeah yeah which is the, the, crazy then, then the uh, then they start getting the the music and then and they s- saw the sets and they you know the special effects were being done and they thought oh this is going to be something else yeah <clears throat> Yeah, um, Ridley Scott said in the commentary that that one when they they're on the planet it looks kind of stormy, or I guess it's a moon. It's not a planet. Yeah, is it? it's a moon. Um, he's he said they were blowing vermiculite around. Right. And he said that really you know that hits your skin it really hurts. Yeah, you had, you had to wear masks and to film in it. Yeah, the actors were lucky they had right. all their spacesuits on. But uh, it it's just the whole atmosphere of everything, like whether it's a, a well-lit room or this, you know, dusty planet. I mean, everything is is just perfect. Like mm. they, they nailed the mood and the feel of everything. And I think it did help. They said that all the sets were connected by the corridors that they used. Mm-hmm. So it really did feel like you were in a ship Yeah, when yeah. you were on set. And I think that really helped the characters kind of, you know, sell it to us probably sell it to themselves as actors um i think i have the notes here that um and watching it you don't know who's going to die if you you know the first time through right and they're on such a mundane mission they're just laborers Yeah, they have nothing to fight it with right they're they're hauling ore is what they're doing they've got like a gazillion 20 gazillion tons of ore on a return trip and uh it's the year 2037 yeah which we may live we to better see hurry up <laughs> we got 20 years <laughs> yeah. till i can get a post on the nostromo right uh, next year is rollable yeah <laughs> oh that's good back to the future's already come and gone mm-hmm. uh this year is running man oh is oh, it yeah is uh-huh. running man's 2017 <laughs> yep yeah oh man oh, well, we missed uh, escape from new york Oh, yeah. That was a while ago. Yeah, so um so there's a there's a note here that I uh that I have that uh they won the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. But in addition to the the Oscar, they got Saturn Awards for Best Science Fiction Film, Best Direction for Ridley Scott, Best Supporting Actress for Veronica Cartwright. And um Hugo Awards for Best Dramatic Presentation and several other nominations that they don't talk about. But um, what's really interesting is that in 2002, the film was deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant by the Library of Congress and was selected per, for preservation. Somebody the, at the Library of Congress bought the Blu-ray. <laughs> and they stuck it on Congress shelf. shell with uh, <laughs> Congress money. Like, and then Dude, it I want to see Alien. Their... How do we do this? <laughs> so... Well, it's 1999 right now, for Barnes and Noble. And uh, here's another interesting one. In 2008, Alien was ranked as the seventh best film in the science fiction genre by the American Film Institute. Um, 
so everyone's calling it sci-fi right and left here, but uh, but is it only because it's in space? I think so. I've always thought this was a horror movie. Absolutely. When they're in the when Dallas is in those vents, yeah, and it's behind him or somewhere, mm. yeah, it's scary. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you watch um, Revenge of the Creature; they have that same gag where where the people are in, there's a crew who are tracking him, mm-hmm. and then there's like another blip shows up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's some good stuff. Um. So overall, the you know this this being you know it's got the gore, it's got the suspense, it's, mm-hmm. it's got the creature effects. Yeah, it's shocking gore. There was nothing like it. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, this wasn't your boring decapitation. Right. No. There is a decapitation in it, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little different. Nothing like that. I I think so. It was Dan O'Bannon and what, who's his write, writing partner? Mm, let me see if I have that. In the he gets an executive producer credit. But like, oh, uh, yeah, they're wondering how to get it. the alien onto the ship without it just sneaking up the exhaust pipe or something. Yeah. And then he had a he had a nightmare. Oh, I know what he the alien should have sex when they were yeah <laughs> impregnated. <clears throat> and they figured out another way to do oh, that. Oh, who is that guy? The other writer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the notes here, I have that he wrote the screenplay from a story he had written with Ronald Shusett. Yeah, that's it. Ronald Shusett. Okay. Yeah, so they worked on the first the early drafts. Okay. And then, uh, and then during the course of trying to sell it, these uh, Walter Hill and his partner rewrote it. Uh, well, they, they didn't rewrite it extensively. They, it's the same plot, but they introduced the different names for the characters, and they introduced women into it. Mm. And also, they streamlined it a bit. Like in the in the uh, O'Bannon drafts, uh, they do two missions out onto the surface. So they, oh. they do the one where they find the space jockey. Initially, that it's like it's out on the landscape, um, and then they they then they get a clue from the space jockey's markings that they're looking for a triangle, and then they pick up this pyramid, mm-hmm. and uh, then they go into the pyramid, and, they, and it's this huge egg chamber. Ah. So, so, so the blue layer that they reach past that seems to be the protective layer or alarm system or something yeah, the laser I, sheet yeah i yeah i always imagined that kept the aliens from hatching right until it was broken yeah and then it kept them in yeah, there yeah it's kind of a placental yeah then yeah, they then they could have a host now that's, that's a laser sheet that was from do you know where it's from well i read that that the rock band the who yes was was uh, next so door this, this is like worked out by anton first who was like production designer he, he did the batman first batman film okay the tim burton one um right. but yeah yeah he developed for the who oh that's so crazy <laughs> nice yeah it's like uh, hey guys can we borrow your laser <laughs> all right <laughs> let's have it back in time for the tour <laughs> Back when they were busy deafening their audiences. Yeah, when this and Aliens were the only two movies of this series and the comics hadn't come out yet. It seemed like it could be perfect. My friends and I must have watched the beginning of this to see what the hell the the engineer or whatever the pilot guy is. Hmm. All of that, just because there was nothing out there. There There's no internet at the time, so... Any little clue in there? Oh my God! What's that mean? What are they? We must have dissected this movie so much, <laughs> and then you know the comics came out and they were great too. Now, wasn't there an, uh, an issue with um, 
Sigourney Weaver's likeness. Do you remember the story? Yeah, they they did the uh, movie adaptation, and who, who was it drawing that? I don't know. It was some big name. But she had not given the okay I'm on her likeness. On it. Yeah, because the, the, the likenesses of certain cast members, are, you know, of films are. You know, there's a separate license for them. So they'd, they'd like painstakingly drawn her likeness and then they had to change it all because... Yeah, uh, the original Alien one was... Uh, I can't think of it either. They, it, was, it was for Heavy Metal, wasn't it? Yeah. They did a nice uh, reprint of it mm. recently that's like at full size. Oh, Original cool. pages. Um, I can't think of his name. Yeah, I'm blanking totally thinking hmm. but i know the actual dark horse series was sam keith did the first ones mm. which were an unusual choice but yeah they have, they have some great artists i really liked his stuff so uh, zach howard did a mm-hmm. story zach. i no longer have it but aliens was the first like comic i probably completed mm. drawing yeah i've still got that book I, uh, oh, you, you drew one. I drew a comic. Okay. We, uh, my school, we had some sort of test. It wasn't like a like they have now to rank your school, but it was basically so. If you wanted to join the army, you could see where you would rank, where you would end up. <laughs> and it and and they kind of used it as a as a where's the school, where do these students fall in the national. Range. Should we close the school or not? Should we close the school? Are these dummies, uh, you know, privates or a couple sergeants in here? But uh, I've raced through the test because it didn't matter. And I remember I started drawing an Aliens comic on the back of my book or whatever. And that was probably the first comic I actually drew all the way through. I wish I still had it. I'm sure it's terrible. Now, did... Did both of you uh, kind of fall in love with, and, and I'm going to have to start saying Geiger because I know that's how he pronounced it. I've, I've said Geiger the whole time I've known this man's name, but H.R. Geiger, uh, did you just fall in love with his style the first time you saw it, or did it did it take you a while to kind of get used to it? Oh, his stuff was awesome the first time I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, a friend of mine had the Necronomicon, and I was like, holy crap, that's cool. Yeah, and then uh, from there, of course, you get to know more of his work, and the guy was just amazing. Like, do you ever see his children books? <laughs> no, they are so brightly colored and fluffy. It's like you can feel the the plush of these animals that come to life. Of course, but over on the wall, I have that um, poster from the Dead Kennedys album. I think it was from Frankenchrist. Um, yeah, Penis Landscape. Is you the, ever heard the the This American Life about the lawsuit about that? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know if I've heard that, but I've heard the story about how uh, they used that as an excuse, you know, the FBI, I think it was, to kick Jello Biafra's door down and ransack his apartment. Because yeah. they said, because you are putting this in your album and it's not 18 or over, we're considering it porn and you're distributing it to minors. Which yeah. is a pretty flimsy premise to go kicking down doors and ransacking places, but they just considered him to be politically too radical, and they wanted to mess with him. Yeah, but uh, yeah, penis landscape on uh, This American Life. They talk about the lawyer who was prosecuting 
Jello. Yeah. And the Dead Kennedys and how his son became the biggest Dead Kennedys fan ever. Yeah. And kind of convinced his dad to drop it. Yeah, and I guess uh, I guess Jello ended up uh, sort of being on a friendly basis with the the lawyer. Yeah, which is really funny. He'd always invite him to dinner, no matter how many people came, because there's always room for Jello. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is always room for Jello. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, that's it's made from hooves. <laughs> Sorry, people, that may be true. <laughs> Can't remember the last time I ate Jello. It's it's all right. We get it every Thursday at the nursing home. <laughs> Do they put advertisements on the bottom of it? No. It'd be a good a good place to advertise. They would. That would. So Giger did all of the um, all the great design work for the alien creature itself. Yeah. And now there were there were some things he didn't design, if I remember right. Oh yeah, that because this was like the the Ace team that had been assembled for dune okay so you had chris foss who was the master of doing the spaceship designs yeah. and then you you had uh, jean giro doing working on the suits okay so the people stuff was separate from yeah all that biomechanical organic stuff that's that's H- all Giger. Giger, yeah. yeah cool so uh so he did he did some stuff where he took um, snake vertebrae and all these other things to kind of design stuff after and yeah. you know, cow bones and whatnot. And in some instances probably used the actual stuff and uh, was able to make really interesting. Uh, what do they say? Like how many, I have, I have it here in the notes. It was like hundreds of moving parts Yeah. and points of articulation. It was supposed to be translucent originally. Yeah. Just like the Superman suit. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but it, it, didn't, it didn't work, I guess. About 900 moving parts and points of articulation. Yeah, and uh, Carlo Rambaldi did the mechanical design. Oh, did he? Yeah, you know, for the articulating jaw. Yeah. Like yeah, that was, that was separate from <clears throat> the rest of the suit design, right? <clears throat> it looked really squarish. I, 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 I yeah. had wished it was more organic looking. Yeah. What were you going to do? It looks better in the sequel. Yeah, so the rest of the alien is owned by some private collector, but the the retracting, extending jaw is in the Smithsonian. <laughs> is it? I think that's what they said. Uh-huh. Yeah. So <laughs> at least they were able to salvage that. Yeah, so the, so the owner of the alien suit has to have it retrofitted. Do you remember the back cover of Fangoria? They'd advertise those 3D foam T-shirts, and they had the... Alien one. Oh my God! Yes, I don't remember I've that. I've forgotten about those. Well, that's funny. <laughs> oh my God! So we recently lost John Hurt, the guy mm-hmm. who gets hurt by the alien sucking to his face and later bursting out of his chest. Um, he he did a really good job on this, but almost wasn't in the movie. Like they like it, there was a scheduling conflict. And so they decided on another actor, and I forget who that was, but uh, they cast another guy, and then he got sick or something, and then by the time everything... It was Paul Lind. <laughs> it was Paul Lind. <laughs> well, you look at this alien here. <laughs> yeah. Um, Little known fact, Paul Lind was up for the starring role in Alien. <laughs> I could see that. Uh, but uh, they, they were... Um, they were lucky to actually end up with John Hurt because he did such a good job. 
you know, he kind of looks like like one of the aging members of the Rolling Stones. It just kind of he kind of looks like. Yeah, he has that look like a. You look at the photos of the Rolling Stones, like even like fifty years ago, they look like <laughs> they look forty. <laughs> they're all wrinkled. <laughs> yeah, they look yeah, that, forty to that, sixty. That changed. They just. Yeah, it was weird. Like I, re- I remember hearing, oh, the members of the Rolling Stones are all turning forty, and I'm thinking, can rock stars be forty? Don't they have to like quit? Yeah, they shut up. Apparently, no. <laughs> you can be seventy and still go on tour. No, nope, I guess. No, nope. somebody should show up and confiscate your equipment. <laughs> Pull the plug out. Well, the yeah, you can have an acoustic guitar. You can change your your sound, but you're no longer rock and roll. <clears throat> yeah, you have to be unplugged. You are now the man. <laughs> we stopped trusting you ten years ago, and now it's over completely. <laughs> Um, the other actor in this that I that I I found really kind of uh, a funny thing about was uh, I did not remember that the Bob Seger looking guy um, was actually Tom Skerritt. Uh huh. Like yeah. that didn't even register with me at all that that was Tom Skerritt because oh, he ends up being such a smug looking bastard this later is on in his life. The only thing I knew Tom Skerritt from for yeah. the longest time was Alien. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I saw him in Fuzz recently, and he's one of the detectives. Oh, oh. there he is. <laughs> Like he plays the mayor in uh, that movie Singles, and um, and Campbell Scott goes to pitch him the idea of the super train. He wants to put like a light rail system in Seattle. He's going to pitch him the idea, and he just shoots him down. And he's just a dick about it. And I'm thinking, oh man, like everything else I've seen him, and he's just the smug, <laughs> older guy with the molester mustache, just being a jerk. And then you see this, and he's got the Bob Seger look, yeah, beard. And, Kind of feathery hair, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's apparently the the captain. Yep. Yeah. So. Dallas. Who was the second in command? Was it Ian Holmes' character? Ash. Yeah. He's the science officer. Science officer. <laughs> and then Sigourney Weaver is uh, R- Ripley is the one who takes over when he's not. Uh, I don't know what she. When, Dallas I don't goes. remember what her rank is anymore. Yeah, well, she's okay. So, so it goes: captain, first mate, and then second officer. And I think she, when she's doing her her uh, recording at the end, she says third officer. Well, hmm. okay, yeah, I think it went Dallas, and then John Hurt. Okay. And then Ian Holm. So she didn't get. And then uh, Ripley. So she got outranked by a robot. Yes, but no. She's they, got she's got rank over him, isn't she? I thought she did. Well, they have like because he's under the science wing. I think he takes it upon himself as being in charge of science. So oh, okay. he can, he's been told to bring the alien back. So he's got he's if the if boss. You know of, the backstory, right? He's the boss he, of science stuff. He knows from the beginning that they want oh, okay. whatever that thing, and they've got that signal. Um, yeah, he didn't turn up until the Water Hill draft. Uh, no, that character wasn't in it at all. Oh, okay. It was just the computer. That was, oh, okay. a, that was a brilliant addition. And then, yeah. then they thought, well, the computer's too much like Hal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ridley Scott, I guess, was trying to figure out what to name the computer because Hal seemed perfect. You know, yeah. it was like, this is so great. Like, we need to do something like that. Mm. Except for she didn't talk. I mean, they had like the voice, you know, for the alerts and everything, but she didn't actually converse with them except yeah. for on the screen. 
my favorite part of which was what are what are our chances does not compute <laughs> in other words you're boned yeah you guys are goners and i think like the the android knew it the ship knew it and everyone else was oblivious to the idea yeah well the yeah the android knows from the beginning and before john hurt's chest goes all kablooey he he gives him a look if you watch the movie Oh, yeah, he's a zillion hundred yeah. times yeah. like I have. Uh, yeah, he's totally watching. He's waiting for it to happen. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, he didn't expect Yafet Koto to show up and knock his head off. Right. <laughs> does he go on to play Idi Amin or something? Yes, he does. Okay, because I could swear I that was the same was, guy. I think he was pre or this was post Idi Amin. I oh, was believe. it? Oh, he does. Yeah, and he'd been Mr. Big in Live and Let Die. Yeah, yeah. I think he was Edie Amin the previous year, and I guess um, Ridley Scott told him to annoy Sigourney Weaver off camera to kind of keep her disliking him. Yeah, which he regretted because he he really took a shine to her and thought she was great and wanted to be friends and, but he was tasked with being a dick to her, <laughs> just just to have her just have that animosity on on camera. Yeah. Which sounds a lot like, uh, <laughs> like the Shining, Stanley Kubrick, just taking Shelley Duvall just to the lowest lows of well, person. The, the Hodorowsky Dune, he talks about raising his kid to be Paul, mm-hmm. and then like at the end, he's like, I don't know what I did to my son. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and he had like a kid doing you know karate lessons every day, six days a week for two years or something mm-hmm. he had to become paul wow to play this role that's crazy i can imagine after a certain point it's like look dad i can kick your ass now i'm not going anymore <laughs> you reach a certain level in your no, lessons. by that time he was so brainwashed from the putting his hand hand in the fear box thing oh, oh my god it's he so... was ready for the film that's so crazy and then it went to it all went to pot. Well, I will say that that directors who push their actors too far and push themselves too far, and uh, the ones who go to such extremes, give us such well, not all of them, but they usually give us great movies. You know, we we get some fantastic stuff out of these crazy people who are so driven. Like Stanley Kubrick was just nuts. Let's face it. And I don't think Alfred Hitchcock made a lot of friends. He was very driven too. He was. You know, in his own way, a perfectionist. But uh, now Ridley Scott, um, he went on. You said that he, uh, Julian, we were talking earlier, and you said that he did some children's. Uh, yeah, he'd only done one movie before this. Right. He, he was he was known for his commercials and things. So tell us a little about what that was like in England to see his commercials. Yeah, well, yeah, because uh, he had all these like public service. What, what do you call them in this country? PSAs, public PSAs. service announcements. Yeah. Uh, so these go out go out so so you'd have two times where you had children's programmings you'd have saturday mornings Mm -hmm. and then you'd have like from about four to five on weekday afternoons yeah but uh yeah on the saturday mornings on the on the the one commercial channel you'd have all these psas and they'd be terrifying yes i've seen these yeah so ridley scott did this famous one where you'd intercut this boy who's football rolls out into the street 
and you'd intercut that with his car coming down the street. And then at the crucial moment, there'd be this ultra slow motion of this hammer hitting a peach. Yes. And uh, yeah, that became the poster as well, but just terrifying stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't messing around, yeah. That's that's second best to... Uh, I'd like to Gallagher's Smash a Peach album. <laughs> I was going to say the the, uh, the watermelon getting tossed off that building. and uh, Yes, that was the... Uh, it's not going to bring up yeah, so he bad was, film. <laughs> he was, he was known for commercial, so he, he he's always had been haunted by this, like thing of he can do this immaculate photography of of objects and and people moving through space and yeah lighting and and um you know sometimes at the expense of story but yeah i think uh, i think alien works and before this he'd done the duelists uh, that was his only other feature film i don't know that one and he went on to do the um the apple commercial that hearkened to uh the Mood of 1984 by George Orwell, didn't he? The famous one where the woman's running with the hammer and then wings it at the screen. Yeah. I think that's Ridley Scott directing it. Yeah. And he did the the first Natural Born Smoker where it's this, uh, it's like this kind of Blade Runner scenario and, and it's this mutant who's, and it shows all the things that this creature has evolved so that it can, so that cigarettes actually, uh, you know, are part of its, natural cycle wow pretty horrible i've not (laughs) seen that one yeah i saw alien and then blade runner you know within a year or two of each other and that was just like man this guy can't do anything wrong oh i wish i liked blade runner and you mentioned this to me before that you don't like it don't like which which cut have you seen all of them you've seen all the cuts all of them i'm sure i've seen more than enough no cut is ever going to satisfy me there's something wrong with the film something bugs you about Blade Runner it's just is it that you you can't get invested you don't believe it yeah there's no getting invested with any of the characters I feel it's all shine and there's Mm -hmm. nothing there huh well and I've tried and tried to like it I know it's I think it looks great Mm -hmm. yeah but then you should do wish you were here blade runner oh okay yeah you just i'm not even kidding you turn on wish you were here at a certain point uh like when the logo pops up at the beginning of blade runner for whatever production company and apparently it syncs up nicely (laughs) i remember my uh one of my landlords when i was at art college was ron tyner he's this comics artist Mm -hmm. and uh he had all these books of the production design of Blade Runner. Oh my God. So it'll be Jean Giraud, just pages and pages of drawings of like street furniture. and. Oh my God, that would be amazing to look yeah. at. Incredible. Yeah, the art design is fantastic in the movie. Looks great. I just, the story lets me down every time. Yeah. I like Rutger Hauer's character. I like Leon. I like Pris, okay. Look. I honestly can never remember anybody in the movie. <laughs> yeah. It seems like I watched a painting for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. It was, well, hey, that, it was all right. I think that's a compliment painting. to the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a great looking movie. It looks yeah. great, but I yeah, there's I must have nothing seen, like, there. Three cuts of it. I've yeah. seen all of them. Yeah, I think I've seen probably two or three <clears throat> cuts of it. Two or three cuts of Dune. None of them work. I love that part where, uh, in the documentary. 
Hodorowski goes to David Lynch's Dune and he doesn't want to and he's he's afraid he's gonna cry and then he starts watching and he gets happier and happier and he's like it was total shit nobody could make the movie the only other person would have been david lynch and he couldn't do it only mm. i could make it oh man I, I went and saw dune and i didn't know what the hell i was watching I, oh yeah i knew I, a lot of people who read that big fat thick book and i couldn't even start it wait, but if you if you look at the uh, the Hodorowsky dune the the design concepts you can see you can see them in Alien, like especially if you look it's at the, the early storyboards, mm-hmm. like the the the, the you know, designs for the original Egg Chamber, are just the the castle from Dune and yeah, yeah. There, it's kind of amazing at the end of that documentary they show all the things from Masters of the Universe to <laughs> Alien to uh, I don't remember what else, but yeah. great. You know, you you mentioned earlier uh, the toys they tried to market for Alien. They have come such a long way with action figures in the last 20 years or so. Like, starting with Todd McFarlane saying, you know what? These things should be a lot more detailed and a lot better painted. And a lot pricier. Yeah, a lot more expensive. A lot more expensive, yeah. That's one of the things that kind of weakens the movie is, like, uh, you're so familiar. if If it was just Alien... Where you get these glimpses of the, of the creature, yeah, uh, it, it's scary stuff. See, yeah, and I and think there's always blend between like you know where does it leave off from the mechanical bits begin and so on, but like uh, you know immediately you had that like was it Kenner or something had yeah. that figure that that was like taken off the shelves. Yeah, yeah. But then like throughout the you know especially once Aliens had come out, you had the comics and toys, and so you you could look at every millimeter of the creatures. Mm-hmm. They became so familiar. Yeah, that's and I think that's what I liked about this movie first was mm-hmm. just how mysterious the creature was. Yeah, because it really was alien. Right. You just yeah. get a poster with the egg. Yeah. And that's like, all you saw. And even at the end, you don't know, it's is it fused into the ship? What right. is it doing at the end? Why doesn't it come out mm-hmm. of where it's hidden? Yeah. Is it injured? What's going on? Because there's a shot, shot snip where I didn't realize I was looking at it. Uh huh. Yeah. Like yeah. A, in, you know, because I've been watching it on TV and you know, pan and scan or darker video mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Seeing on Blu-ray now, and, and especially now, I'm really familiar oh, with man. it. You know, when when uh, like Harry Dean Stanton walks in and and they just have that shot of it and because it's up, upside down and so such a weird silhouette. You don't know what the hell you're looking at. Uh huh. I didn't know what it was. And then, you know, it's only much later I realized, oh, that was the alien. You get a full body shot of the alien dangling there. Uh Uh-huh. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) I had no idea what it was. Yeah. And, of course, you see a lot more of it in Aliens, Mm -hmm. you know, the the sequel. Um, They they want you to see it. Yeah, that was pretty smart. He he, he said, right, we're not going to make another Haunted House movie. We're going to do the vietnam war yeah an action well, you, action war you've heard movie. the story of how he pitched it though right no, he went in and he had a big chalkboard and he wrote alien because they this is after terminator uh-huh. do whatever you want put alien on the board and then he put an s after it and <laughs> made it a dollar sign and that was his pitch and they were like sounds fantastic so, yeah so yeah I know how to make this into a big pile of money. Yeah. And that that was the brilliance there was making it a different movie. So they yeah. they could have so easily had just made it the same movie. Like Joe Bob Briggs would suggest. 
Mm-hmm. You know, make the same movie over again. Yeah. Which, no, make it an action mm-hmm. movie this time. Yeah. And, and next time, a rom-com. And then, if you're really smart, make a vampire movie with a bunch of the same people. Yeah. <laughs> Which was so funny to see that. Uh, and anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, um, any new listeners, welcome to the show. Uh, but Near Dark, go back and listen to that episode. Well, see the movie, then listen to the episode, or you know, have it ruined for you by listening to us talk about it. But what a great movie that was, too. Um, yep. Bill Paxton makes anything better. <laughs> That's. I still can't believe I'd never heard of that movie. It's yeah. Well, they they screwed it up with the marketing thing. I'm. St- well, I still should have heard of it. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it should have made. I watched it... a lot of shit at that time, <laughs> right. and this movie was not. And I just completely missed it. It kind of makes you a little mad, doesn't it? Yeah. Because I watch pretty much any horror, sci-fi, anything. Yeah. It was quite the movie watcher in the 80s. If I suspect a movie is going to be a good version of whatever genre it belongs to, whether it's a comedy or what have you, um, that, I mean, honestly, I'll watch a, a really good musical even though I don't like musicals, I'll watch a really good one and enjoy it. I'll watch a really good comedy and enjoy it. I mean, I like horror. I've never seen a good horror musical. Oh, that's, well, let's see. What what do we have? Rocky Horror Picture Show? (laughs) Actually, there you go. There you go. Do you like that one? Yeah. Okay, so there's one. (laughs) There's one, and it's probably the best. Tim Curry, my God, that guy just runs that. Have you watched... uh... Thundercrack yet? No, not yet. Speaking of Rocky Horror, <laughs> not yet. Oh well. I was, I was, I was told to have a group of friends watch it oh, in a group. Oh yeah, I would bring parents, <laughs> yeah. church group. older people, church members, uh, small children. Yeah, kids would love it too. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, Jello Biafra. Yeah, <laughs> Jello Biafra can come. Yeah, there's always room. There's always room. <laughs> So, um, yeah, early experiences with this thing, cable television, uh, you know, maybe VHS, what have you. But, you know, we've all seen it and seen it again. Now, finally, there's the perfect uh, Blu-ray transfer mm-hmm. of this thing. Yeah, yeah and you can see both edits. so good. Yeah. You can see his 2003 edit and the original the theatrical edit. What changed? Yeah, what I changed? Watched... Uh, what like, significant stuff there's, changed? There's more in it. Okay. There's, like, the cocoon. Oh, scene and you know, hmm. bits of business along the way. There's there's more in the um, uh, laboratory. Yeah, it's a little longer, I believe. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a little slower. Yep. Yeah, he he wasn't worried because like uh, when he was preparing the initial v- version, mm-hmm. he he was kind of worried because he had forty five minutes where he said nothing happens. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, until you get up to the the breakfast scene. Yeah. Uh, so he's kind of worried about all the notes he was going to be getting from the executives, you know, we paid for this space monster movie. Where is it? There's nothing happening. Yeah. Where's the monster? Yeah. Yeah. The movie's never quiet either. Like there's always some little humming or always noises and there's always something moving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like a, you'll throw chains or water or nodding birds or whatever, just to have something moving all the time. I kind of wish the space was quiet though <laughs> it's it is definitely longer because i watch 
the director's cut, which I hadn't seen before, but the subtitles were for the theatrical cut. <laughs> okay. And so you could see it was like, wow, they they really drew out this conversation, longer pauses and everything, yeah. and a lot more radio and chatter. It, there are even more scenes that you can watch, like more deleted scenes. Yeah, I know. Uh, there's, there's more more of Lambert. Mm-hmm. There's a scene with Dallas because they take him and goop him up to the wall. Yeah. In some scene. And and it, uh, you can also there's all these features where it takes you through the original screenplays and oh nice all the stuff that got dropped you know and, and there's uh, there's all really Scott storyboards and stuff like oh, that oh neat yeah because like uh, when he was when he was pitching it you know they had like I think it started off with like a budget of four million mm-hmm. and then he uh, he he like storyboarded you know huge chunks of the movie and he said to show them the scope of what yeah. he was doing. And then the fox said, we'll double your budget. Nice. Wow. Way to go, Fox. So this Blu-ray is worth every penny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, you can get it pretty cheaply. It's not, yeah. it's not you can get a lot of Blu-rays for 10 it or looks, 15 bucks these days. It looks days. so good. I was in Target on some errand and took a spin through the, the uh, DVDs and Blu-rays. And I saw a really deluxe edition of Pulp Fiction for five bucks. And I'm it's thinking, Blu-ray? Yeah. Yeah, $5 Blu-ray. And uh, it may be identical to the deluxe DVD I own of it, but I thought, I don't know, it's 5 bucks. I just won't drink a coffee on my way out. I'll just get this instead. Oh, okay. Don't swing by the Target I Starbucks. I thought coffee was maybe a really subtle Pulp Fiction joke I wasn't yeah. getting. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't leave Because the... you do buy good coffee. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> that's I'm... right. We, we should be talking more about the female characters in this. Well, yeah. Is the alien female? Well, the facehugger lays an egg. It's got a whole different reproduction cycle, hasn't it? It does. So let's talk about Ellen Ripley. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they they cast Sigourney Weaver. She's she's a perfect blend of of pretty and and uh, uh, attractive and then tough. You know, she's she rises to any occasion and uh, she could easily be the captain of the ship. Like, we don't need Bob Seeger look alike, uh, you know. Well, I'm not putting him down because he, he <laughs> like uh, you expect a star captain to be all like, you know, square jawed and like, let's let's go people. And right. He's like so laid back. You know, he, he just he just struck me as like uh, if people have been in these close quarters for that long, right. uh-huh. he wouldn't be that, you know, the, the loud bossy guy Kirk yeah. kind of guy he'd, he'd, yeah he'd be more laid back and, uh, yeah I know kind of and he he does lead pretty well yeah and let's uh, face it there and are... he's willing to go down right. into the ducks right. to get it yeah, I, I, I think he's a good officer yeah, yeah he's he's good he does a perfectly good job but yeah yeah she's 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 really good she kind of rubs them up the wrong way and knows it and but they they still like her I think I think they respect her yeah yeah they do mm. um but they, you know, like... Uh, it's like everyone had done what she said when, when they were coming back on board. And she said, like, no quarantine. You're not coming back in until we find out what's going on. That would have been yeah, great. end of movie. End of movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how you end a movie. <laughs> and of course, uh, Ian Holm wasn't going to have that. The, mm. what, what's the robot's name again? Ash. Ash. Ash isn't going to have that because he knows what's up. So he's 
he's he's going to make sure it happens one way or another. Yeah. I, I wonder if push comes to shove, does he just start killing people, like robot style? Well, he was willing to kill Ripley. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, because she would, she was going to reveal his plan. Yeah. So yeah, he would have killed everybody just to keep that thing. Yeah. On the ship and bring it home. Because yeah. the company knows it's the perfect killing machine. It's the prime directive for him to get that thing back uh-huh. so they can have weaponized yeah. alien killing machines. Yeah, because like the, the mother says, um, you know, at all costs, this... Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was going to kill her with a yeah, magazine. The, the crew is expendable. <clears throat> but uh, and, and a porno magazine, too. Porno mag, too, yeah. <laughs> How poetic. And... Uh, of course, she's going to overcome all odds. She's going to she's going to make it you know, to the very end, and you think everything's you all never, right. You you never really have that clue though, up until she is the last person. I mean, when she goes up to the bridge at some point, and the cat's up there. Oh, you, you think, think she's next? You're like, oh fuck, she's dead. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The first time you see this, you don't know she's going to prevail. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know who's going to live. Yeah, as you said. Yeah, and it's not a matter of, well. I was going to say, it's not a matter of chance, is it, that she's the last one standing? Sort of. I guess it is. Like, it could have easily sneaked up on her and gotten her. Yeah. It was just down in the... Well, thematically, you've got this, like, sexual monster. Mm-hmm. And then she's, like, the woman. Yeah. The strong woman. And then you have the, the, the realist woman, who's, like, a, she's another character if people had listened to her. Yeah. The movie would be over. <laughs> yeah. Let's not go down yeah. there. Yeah. Let, let's just jump in the show and leave. Should we do fan edits? <laughs> the movie's like 15 minutes long. And just we ends. should. We just, really should. Just recycle a shot Listen, of the ship going into the If they distance. had listened to Ripley. If they had listened to Lambert. Hmm. Right. Yeah. This, the special edition. That would be, be great. That would be a lot of fun. <laughs> so, okay, so so we can agree that it's by chance that it doesn't happen to pick her off. She's the last one standing. Yeah. And thinks on her feet, knows what to do. Yeah. And it, it's it's kind of got this kind of, uh, it's a, a seduction going on with her as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's not, it, it's not just going to climb out and kill her. No, it no. It needs her to appreciate its magnificent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, po- it's posed coyly uh, with its tail wrapped around. Yeah, it probably puts its head up yeah. on its elbow. So dull. Yeah. We're on our own. Yeah. <laughs> so, think of, build a fire and... Uh, Check out these teeth. Yeah. So she, she does it, though. She thinks on her feet. She moves slowly. She gets into the suit. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, let me slip into something more comfortable. It sings to herself. Speaking of things more comfortable, those underwear did not look comfortable. <laughs> Man, those underwear. This movie made some impression on me as a the, third the, grader. But there's no discussing this movie without talking about the weird fitting underwear. They look fine from the front. As soon as she turns around, it's like, who who bought these? <laughs> Who's the costume designer on this thing? I didn't bother to look that up because, well, you know, <laughs> they had one job. Buy some cool underwear for her. Just had her wear well, I don't know who designed the underwear, but uh, it was Jean Giraud did the uniforms. Oh, okay. Maybe yeah. maybe he didn't know how to make women's underwear. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure they just bought underwear. Or have I, I think he drew two triangles, and they said, well, are we doing this to scale from this drawing? 
it's going to fit her butt kind of weird. The front's going to look all right, but the back's going to be weird. All right, well, make them. Send it off to the to the uh, sewing department. <laughs> we shouldn't spend too much time talking about her underwear, should we? No, I've spent enough of my life thinking <laughs> about you her underwear. Your formative years. Yeah, let's not spend any more time on it. I grabbed some great still photos. I'll email them to you. <laughs> no, I already have all those. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of rolled up porno magazines. Yeah, so um, so this ending, it's perfect, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, great, she did it. Oh, wait, no. As he says in the commentary, this is like uh, the fourth act thing yeah. which became standard in movies later yeah, yeah the last grab but yeah you have the big explosion and then oh something's still going yeah yeah the bubbles coming up from the swamp that kind of thing yeah but uh she knows what to do she turns the thrusters on and that's that she cooks him um we didn't talk about the acid blood no yeah that was an idea of like one of the other great designers on this was ron cobb Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, the, yeah, they were they were talking about it because they had this problem where you have these people who were able to make weapons and they had this technology to hand. Yeah, why don't they just shoot it? And so Rob, Ron Cobb said, "Well, it's got acid blood. If yes. they shoot it, it's going to bleed through the spaceship and kill them all." Yes, which is great. Yeah, yeah, because otherwise you could say, "Well, you know." Just do that and you're done. Well, you, there had there had to be the perfect way to say you can't. Nothing else works, right? Yeah. Like th- there's nothing else. There's no other way they could know. Like, oh, if you shoot this thing, does it explode? That could be a thing. Well, how would you know that? This you know because the face hugger bled yeah. through several <laughs> several floors, <laughs> which was great. Yeah. What finally stopped it? Does it just neutralize? It just goes through three floors. and It just wear, wears out at yeah. some point. It just absorbs so much mineral. I mean, I imagine if that ship didn't blow up, that acid would still leak through, <laughs> going floor from floor, slower and slower, <laughs> smaller and smaller. They would have to catch Drops. it in something and bring it back up and pour it out again and yeah. just keep bringing it up or something like Don't that. Don't put airplane glue on styrofoam. Ah, yeah, it's true, too. Hey, speaking of models... Um, I found out something about stripping paint from old models. Oh. You spray easy off on them. A friend, really? Wow. A friend of mine told me this like years ago. Years ago. You called him a damn liar and stopped I, talking to him. You owe him an apology. I do. Sorry, Jeff. You were right. <laughs> you were right. I'm sorry. I finally stripped the paint off this old flying saucer from Plan 9 from Outer Space. Some dumb kid back in the 50s or 60s painted it red and black. And I removed a bunch of the paint using... Uh, nail polish remover and it was very tedious but it worked and i flipped it over and stripped all the paint off the bottom of it in no time flat uh, spray it on leave it for two hours in a closed container come back and wipe it off and inhale yeah you can get high off of that i suppose you can get dead that's barely related to what we were talking about um women in horror yeah women in we horror just totally I think we've discussed that topic enough. <laughs> I've covered so much ground. What else is there left to say? Um, Women, they're sometimes in horror movies, less frequently make them. Can we think of a movie before Alien where there was such a heroic female lead? 
King Kong? Not Does really. Does that count? Is she heroic? She's, she's smart. Not terribly she's, heroic. She's the cause of his downfall, but that's true. Well, his she feelings felt very toward proactive her. Proactive about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, Ripley was proactive. I would say she's she was maybe the first of her kind. Maybe she yeah, was she's a new the new first of where it's this kind of she she has macho qualities. Um. So that that became a cliche in itself, where where you have the the hero is they just make it a woman because that's more PC, but okay. she just acts like a man. And, yes. Um, so that kind of became its own stereotype, but yeah, she she's you know great, um, strong female character. Oh, absolutely, and and I would say another favorite, um, well, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's strong. And of course, the remake of Night of Living Dead. Right. Our Barbara character is actually. Yeah, but, yeah she's she's really kick ass. Yeah, so so we do see this as being like a maybe a great new prototype uh, for a heroic female lead is mm-hmm. is Ellen Ripley from that from that movie on. You could do that, and in Aliens, the remake or the. <laughs> Let's say that again. The sequel. The sequel. The squeakquel. Uh, in Aliens, the sequel, um, you get you get Ellen Ripley with her head shaved. Right. That no, was, that was Aliens cubed. Alien cubed. Oh, so she doesn't have her head shaved in the no. at, toward the end of that one. No, this the beginning of Aliens. They pick her up. She's been in space for fifty some years. In stasis. Yeah. I might as well nerd out the whole way. It was 56 years. Okay. <laughs> and she still has the cat. Yes. They have a different actor Jonesy for the cat. Jonesy is, is the cat. They used like three Jonesies in the first movie, right? Well, you know, some actors are more difficult to work with than others. <laughs> like Black Phillip on the set of The Witch. He had a whole bunch more of the movie, but he proved difficult to work with. Yeah. So yeah. he got a lot cut. He used to wreck his own trailer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, I mean, before you had like strong female characters in horror, but they tend to be villains. Yeah. Like, evil, so they'd be cat people and witches. And... Yeah. Right. Yeah, they don't really win the day the way someone like Ellen Ripley does. Well, listeners, uh, if you have not picked up the Blu-ray for Alien, go do it. Um, mm-hmm. It's never going to look better than that unless they do something to your eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's for women in horror month. I would say, you know, Ellen Ripley, there's, there's your new prototype for heroic female leads, uh, lead characters going forward. And, uh, and then we see more of that. Um, so highly recommended mm-hmm. for me anyway. Yep. Will, I don't think we need to ask. No, <laughs> not at all. Jolien, what else could we say? Yeah. Check yeah. it out. Yep. Great. All right. Well, listeners, thank you for listening and stay off the moors.